to the Let's Call Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. This season, we are talking about the Court of Thorns and Roses series by Sarah J. Mass, and we are currently in the middle of A Court of Mist and Fury. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. Oh, all right. Now I'm going to say something. Okay. It was just a point of book. I'm going to be honest. When I was packing to come here, I had to try to remember what book we were on because I didn't remember which one of the two I had next to each other it was. <laughs> Reba read too early. Let's put it that way. I forgot what my dad thought it was about. And I was like, no, it's about fairies. He said something really off the wall where I was like, English about fairies. Don't read it. The Renaissance. Yeah, don't, don't read it. The Renaissance. Yeah, don't read it. Don't read anything that I read. Don't, yeah. That's to everyone. Don't Do read. not. I'm going to give you suggestions. Don't pick them up. No. No. I talk about this on a podcast that four people listen to. Bad enough. I don't know if Anyway, we'll, it's going to get worse. It's not. It's going to talk about our current obsession. Okay. You want to go first since I'm you had a sh- it's such a good lead up to that. Can I organize? Sure. sure. Yeah. Okay, so I am going to talk about this. Hello, who am I? I met my 100 book goal because I am insane. Just a wee bit. And my mom was like, do you do anything else? And I was like, no, mother, you know this. And we've had this conversation. You had me in too many extracurriculars as a child. I want to sit on the couch and read now, okay? All I do. This is why I can't wait to have a, a regular job where I don't have to do schoolwork. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the thing is, with a regular job, you're still thinking about your job at home. It's boundaries. Anyway, the first book was Allie Hazelwood's new book, and she wrote Love Hypothesis, which I read earlier in the year, and it's like women's novel. So, like, all of them are about females in STEM. Reba can't read them. They hit too close to home, even though I think she would enjoy them. Maybe in, like, a year or something after this experience is over. <laughs> the thing is, I'm not smart enough for them, and it's not that I'm a dumb person. It's that I don't understand science. Your brain doesn't You probably could have just asked me what it meant I could have told you (laughs) this one is called love on the brain and she's like a neurophysicist and I was like like they were making some helmet for NASA and I was like I don't know what's going on right now what how do they even study that exactly read the book (laughs) I might tell you I have no idea but (laughs) she just guessed a lot but anyway the romance was really cute and a lot of people were comparing like this one to the love hypothesis saying that they were basically the same story and I was like y'all I don't remember enough about the love hypothesis to tell you any but sure well I was like nerdy girls and then guys who look like uh, what's the Star Wars movie yeah well I think love hypothesis itself hits too close to home because she's a graduate student so (laughs) this one she worked for NASA on this project her name is B and she's working with this guy named Levi and they knew each other like in college but she thinks he hates her because of the way he acted towards her which immediately I'm like girl he is in love with (laughs) she was with this other guy and like got engaged to him so the whole time like he thinks that she married that guy she wears her grandmother's wedding ring Mm, okay or at least and she thinks he is married for some reason and that he has a child they never talk about this but they have to work together and this just my favorite kind of miscommunication and they slowly figure it out yeah. and then there's stuff with Pat that I love I might actually like that one you would I love it nice. yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> you ever have time pick it up um so i really adored that one it was a fun time i also read a book that I, it's part of a series that just went on ku after i bought the first book because of course it did um it's called the edens it's like small town romance the first one though is like romantic and thriller and i was like Shit, i love this like this might be a genre voice for me 
and it's about this girl. I don't name is like Winslow or something weird, but she she moves to the small town where like her grandfather's the mayor and she's like the the police. Which I was like, love that Emma Swan from Once Upon a Time vibes slash Audrey Parker from Hayden. Love that. And people are like dying. Property of the, the the family who founded the town. Like one of the guys she like has a thing with. Look, people like dying on this property, and they're like, what's going on? Or she's like, what's going on? Everyone else like he knows out of it. It's fine. They're all committing suicide, but she's like something bigger's going on. Yeah, I love that kind of thing. So uh-huh. That was a fun ride. Um, and then I read another one I was not expecting to love, and it was a friends to lovers romance, which shocking. Wow. Yeah. wow. It's called uh, Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating by Christina Lauren, and I love read another one of their books that's supposed to be a lot sweeter. But I read this one first, and it was so freaking cute. It's another one where like in college they're kind of mutual acquaintances and everything, and then like ten later they run into each other. Hazel's a teacher. She teaches third grade and she's like kind of crazy just naturally which I was like love that and she tells the guy Josh she's like we need to be best friends mm-hmm. so they become best friends yeah. and they like set each other each other up on blind dates and stuff and they have fun on these blind dates and they slowly realize like oh I have fun because I'm with you yeah and it's so cute and there's something that happens towards the end that everyone else hates and I love which I'm not going to say what it is because it's a spoiler but it's freaking cute um I read another one it wasn't KU I bought it it's called Dying in 13 it's like teenagers in Ireland one plays rugby and the other one's this like girl who's like no one likes me I get bullied by everyone I have a horrible home life which she does and it was so freaking adorable so cute and I learned some Irish slang so come at me Irish come at me in Irish and then I read a college hockey romance because of course I did hockey guys are hot I think we discussed this before but hockey guys are hot I don't know what it is I guess it's the pure masculine violent energy I've never watched it before I don't know what it is I've been to a few hockey games and it's like it's not a big sport around here but it's like what football wishes it could like it's just like uber masculine uber like get up in your face and then they're all freaking ice skates like well I think it's because football's become too technical and too showy versus what hockey is there's so many rules and I mean they're not supposed to beat the hell out of each other but they do and then like they get barely fined for it so you know they're like yeah it's kind of supposed to happen um this one's called Icebreaker <laughs> and like I said it's a uh, college romance and, and um the girl's a figure skater of course and the guy's a hockey player they end up having to share the ring which is how it happened and he like is kind of into her uh-huh. and she's like no 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 and, I mean they start something up pretty early on but like the book itself is very different from other things there's like a pretty diverse cast of like characters of different sexual orientations and different races and ethnicities you have one like bigger character who's in a wheelchair mm-hmm. there's all that um it's very sex positive which is cool like because like he sleeps around she has a friend's foot benefit situation with uh-huh. another guy earlier on it's like yeah and her friend is like yeah yeah and other people comment on it like they come after those people like hold up and then she also talks about therapy all the time and whenever her guy were having issues later on she's like okay I know why you feel this way I completely understand that I like know how to talk my feelings right now because I've been through therapy she doesn't tell them that part 
But like great communication, the part where you think they would break up because the third act and that always happens. He's just like, I'm mad at you right now, but that's okay. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, love this. Love a healthy communication. Yeah. It was so cute. Can, okay. I was just going to say, I don't like healthy communication or anything in my romances because I have that in my normal life. I want like the alpha male toxic kind of stuff <laughs> in my day to day life. I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> I love alpha males in uh, books. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, TV and stuff could never, never be with one in real life because I would kill them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would be like, oh, hold the f*** up. Like, don't talk to me that way. Don't tell me what to do. I'm the boss around here. Too independent for that. Way too yeah. independent. Whereas my boyfriend just like, I wish he was, had a little bit more of a backbone, but he's like, he he uh, was concerned about like something I had of his and he thought I was going to hurt it. And so he like, slightly was like, oh, please don't do that. And then apologized because he thought he'd gotten a tone with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, was it offended? Okay. <laughs> Perfectly fine. It's your stuff. Like, um, and then Paris TV, I've watched nothing new. I've tried it. But I'm not a fan of One Tree Hill season two. <laughs> I just, first season, love it. Living, laughing, loving. Second season, I get into it. First couple of episodes, I'm like, and you know why? You know what? There are uh, yep. new characters that come in. Yep. And I don't like them. Mm-mm. So we have like Felix and Anna mainly. <laughs> Anna is boring and she's only there to have a whatever. I don't know if she's bisexual or gay. I don't remember. No, I just watched it. And, but I think it changes. Yeah. So <laughs> she's only there to be that one character throughout the series. Yep. And then Felix is literally my most hated character in that show. And that's competing against Dan Scott and Nanny Carey. Nanny Carey was a fun time. Dan Scott's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Horrendous. I hate Felix. He is, he's worse. Yeah. I mean, we know what Dan did, but he, this Felix is <laughs> horrible. I'm like, Brooke, you could do better. I mean, Lucas was not good, but you can do better. No. Brooke Davis Poor, deserved better. Brooke, like, I wonder if they did that just because she was the slut in the first season. They wanted to. I almost started sobbing the other night watching one of the later episodes in the season. Like, the dark's getting good. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Brooke, because she's like, I want to be with Lucas. And Lucas is like, I want to be with you, but then finds up and Peyton stuff in his room, and she decides she doesn't want to be with him. And I was like, oh my gosh. That's, that's the whole issue. Anybody that was ever with Lucas is like, but you're in love with Peyton. And he's like, no, I'm not. That's the best thing to come from season two. What? Jake. Oh, Jake. I, I love Jake. Jake. Jake's are better too, because he got the short end of the stick. <laughs> he is amazing. Like, I always forget how much I love him and Peyton together. Oh, talk about a healthy relationship. Yes. The healthiest. I don't mind Peyton and Lucas at certain points, but like Peyton and Jake, oh my god. Jake is so. just great. And by the way, he, he was mentioned in another book I was reading and didn't mention, and I was like, isn't this the guy from One Tree Hill? And I had to look it up, and yeah. I was like, was this a coincidence? And I remember the main character, the name was Lucas, so I was like, no, this author's like this One Tree Hill. Oh yeah, oh no. There was one book I remember reading and like, it is a middle grade book, so it's like very on the nose, and the the main love interest was named Chad Murray. <laughs> I sh- you not. I'm, my middle school self been like, oh my gosh! 
like, okay, yeah. Like, I, I know who this is. Current obsessions are faves. We don't know which one we say. Whatever. The most of. What we're currently doing. Okay. And into. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure I read this after our last podcast, but uh, I really, I started started liking, um, I think it's Gillian Flynn. Maybe Gillian Flynn. I don't know how people say it. Anyway, she wrote Gone Girl. I, I think it's Gillian. Gillian. I'll say it because that's how I thought you say it, but some people were saying Gillian. I was like, hey, Gillian. <laughs> Just say the author who wrote this. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, she wrote Gone Girl. It was good. I read that. Um. So I wanted to pick up another book of hers. I read Sharp Object by her, and it was awesome. Like I mean, like it was so good, and it's so f-ed up. So if you like really messed up, read Sharp Object. How many books has she written? A lot or like a very small amount? I I only know three off the top of my head, so I don't know because it's Sharp Objects, Gone Girl, and Dark Places. I think I knew about two of those. Drop Off Jokes is good. It's got a TV show on HBO Max. I watched a little bit of the first episode and fell asleep. Um, I don't Sounds know. about right. <laughs> I an HBO Max uh, subscription. I was at somebody's house. Also, I read Finished Memoirs of a Gay Show. I have some thoughts about that. It was Some of it was good. I really liked the prose. It sounded like what a gay show would say. Um, but the sexualization of gay show really bugged the hell out of me <laughs> because they're not um, sex workers as people would think they are. That's what they're very much portrayed as. They're very portrayed as that in the Western world. They're not sex workers at all. There's a different group of women that are sex workers that are they're dressed similarly. I believe they're called Makos or Oiran, however you say it. Um, so if she was considered an Oiran or a prostitute, it would have made more sense, but she wasn't. But there was prostitutes in the book, so it made absolutely no sense. Like, they do not give away their virginities or shit like that, and they discuss that in the book, and I'm like, um, that's not accurate. <laughs> so it kind of bugged me, but at the same time, it's a good read if you understand that it's not historically accurate, and it's from a man writing about a woman. Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the answer. Yeah, it's from a man. Like I said, the prose is really good. He did interview a lot of geisha, and one of them got pissed off that he mentioned her in his thanks because some of her life story was in it, and she was like, oh, f- you and she um sued yeah and wrote her own book so i haven't Good read that <laughs> i haven't read that <laughs> of an actual geisha i'm on 23 out of 25 i just didn't wear in october so i think i have what one or two more books to get five for the year uh it is fall so i'm getting really excited for that so i've got dumb shit on my list uh one of them is a vanilla pumpkin and bourbon candle oh, yummy Ooh. it smells so freaking good i need to buy more it's by makers of wax goods like that's what it's called i looked it up before i got here because i was like i need to <sighs> the candle i got recently because speaking of that yeah. kind of set it's coffee and whiskey okay so <laughs> oh it what smells good happened? i know what i want <laughs> what had happened we always get each other candles. well i wow. found you're probably going to get candles, but I found this website because of it kept coming up as a if you buy something, you get this candle for free. They have the coolest looking candles on their website. What had happened was, <laughs> we in a home good looking for a tobacco, Don't we always? <laughs> looking for a tobacco candle because that is like my favorite scent is like one of those masculine, like for some yeah. people, one of those really masculine scents is like cashmere and tobacco. Oh yeah. Like, oh, like if it's 
smells like your grandfather's study. I want it in my house. Okay, next is a perfume I've been obsessed with. Um, is Confessions of a Rebel get a room? My fault. I finally found mine again after a year of looking for it. Alright, next is Beetlejuice the Musical. Beetlejuice. Be- I love it. It's kind of obsessed. Also, on repeat, I've been listening to Bailey Sarian. The thing was, when um, I was getting ready for something, at, you know, my boyfriend was with me and I was getting ready and he was like, you like that girl that talks about murder and does your makeup? And I was like, or he said you look like, and I was like, what? I was like, really? <laughs> like, what is that supposed to mean? He was like, well, she's and I'm like I ran with it because I'm mean, like <laughs> if you know like my boyfriend is very sparing with his compliments not that he intends to be he's just not one for as he says superlative <laughs> and like that was just like oh my goodness that's amazing like oh because like, you know she's absolutely gorgeous I look nothing like her but I appreciate the compliment anyway that's my current opinion. yeah well to go back to Peyton's thing about perfume I have been looking for this one scent from Bath and Body Works for a year and they finally brought it back because it's the fall <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I didn't think it was and apparently it is so up, girl? Okay. Uh, after the podcast get with me there's a TikToker that does like the dupes of it for like the fine perfume yeah it does like Bath and Body Works yeah I've seen a couple of them but anyway the scent is uh, sweet whiskey I have a thing for whiskey scents, apparently, from Bath and Body Works. <laughs> whiskey colored eyes. Whiskey colored eyes. Whiskey scents. <laughs> hey, whiskey does have a good scent. Like, that coffee and whiskey candle, though, is like. Smell it now, like. I went in there looking for the cinnamon spice vanilla one and came out with that instead. <laughs> See, I'm a tobacco cashmere, like. I like cashmere, too. I don't know what it is. I just. Oh, yeah. When it comes to, like, candle scents, yeah, I'm all about fall scents. So, um, um, get a room that I it's not even like a legit fall scent like but because we mix so much here in the south like our fall season consists of having three different um, seasons in one day <laughs> you have to like pick and choose so like scent I mentioned it's got like apple tree sage mandarin and vanilla so it's like a mix yeah, that's an interesting combination it's- I'm still kind of stuck on stranger things since I watched it so reading lots of fan fiction about that I like a lot of the ones that are about time travel with them. Oh, Bec- time travel. Because of them going back to the beginning when things start, like the year the things start, and seeing if they can change anything. I never like Stranger Things, so it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, uh, what happened last time? Glad you asked, Peyton. But did you have so, anything else uh, before yeah. she really interrupted you? What was the other thing? Oh. In her, her and saying, you have a lot of Stranger Things. That's so rude. I thought she said that was getting rap. I apologize. I have not paid attention. No, she attention. started saying something else as you were like, moving on. <laughs> of course, still on K-pop because that's going to continue for a long time because it's music. Um, I did buy a book this past weekend, the previous weekend. What book did you I buy? I haven't started reading it yet, though. Um, it's called A Magic Steeped in Poison. It is a YA book. Interesting. But it has some Chinese mythology in it, but also combines uh, tea ceremonies and magic. So, everything. I can't give you much more of it. Description um, that's that, kind of so. facetious, and I'm gonna need you to apologize. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm being rude. <laughs> Since we all want to apparently continue on. All right, we ready? <laughs> all right, good. Okay, shut up. Oh, okay. What happened last show? <laughs> you get off my attention, man. Oh, 
there is one other thing I just wanted to tell you guys about before I forgot. There is a book, uh, a Hunted Killer original novel that I found when we were at Barnes and Noble. Speaking of which, I was going to say, I really want Hunter Killer to sponsor us, and we can do a drunk episode of that, because that would be so much fun. Get on it. So what happened last time, Peyton? I'm glad you asked. I never thought you would. And the last episode we did, which is about three weeks ago. I apologize for the delay. Um, Reese and Feyre discussed Ianthe and all the bullshit. I completely forgot about yeah. that <laughs> All the bullshit she put him through. So, Feyre is starting to... <laughs> Ianthe in the box, Lex. Yeah. Yeah, she's there. <laughs> I remember Feyre, nothing. <laughs> Feyre is starting to like see things as they are. Not in what she's been told from Hamlin and Lucian and all the others. So that's cool. Uh, they've got plans of finding stuff. They went and saw the bone cava, I believe. Who told them about, uh, the Book of Breathing? Okay, I was trying to remember what he Cauldron and the Book of Breathing. Both, the Cauldron and the Book of Breathings. Evidently, the two of them together do something. I don't know. They do real powerful They can bring the dead back to life from Amarantha's eyeball ring thing. So, they're looking for the Book of Breathings. It's different parts, I guess. And they believe one is with the Summer Court? Yeah, they know. They know that one is with the Summer Court and one is... Because the Bone Carver told them. Okay, the Bone Carver told them that part of the book is in the Summer Court. And the other part is with the Human Queens. Or they just naturally knew that. Like, Reese was part of this war. I don't exactly remember. It's been a minute, but he does remember shit that happened back then because he's f***ing ancient. He's had time on his hands. <laughs> he's had time on his hands. I mean, he was there. Um, He might remember this stuff. So, we're starting off in chapter chapter 22. They had sent word to the summer court asking for a diplomatic business, but no word had been sent back. Now, they planned on venturing to the human realm to inquire with their sisters about the visit from the human queen. More asked what to wear to the human world. They explained that they didn't show much skin there. <laughs> or told her it didn't make much sense if they were to hunt and fight. So, like, it's more like Victorian era yeah. type clothing. Like, where's the pants? Very prim and proper. They explained how the women of the human world were really only worried about getting married and having babies. And this was especially the case with the wealthier who were. Or said the hyphae were just the same. She explained the court of nightmares prized a girl's virginity and would sell them off to the high highest bidder. Farrah didn't make eye contact from the book. I was born stronger than anyone in my family, even the males, and I couldn't hide it because they could smell it. The same way you can smell a high lord's air before he comes to power. The power leaves a mark. And when I was 12, before I bled, I prayed it meant no male would take me as a wife, that I would escape with my elder cousin had endured. Bloodless times brutal. But then I began bleeding a few days after I turned 17. And the moment my first blood came, my power awoke in full force and even the goddamn mountain trembled around us. But instead of being horrified, every single ruling family in the Hune City saw me as a prized mayor, saw that power, and wanted it bred in their blood over and over again. They are asked about Moore's parents. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not what I was going to mention. Um, I like how... Sorry, I was waiting and I thought you were done. I would. I like how I do not like GD. Like, GD, like, get under my skin. Like, it's a flinch every time I hear it. But it's because they're there's multiple gods in this and they say it that way it like 
softens the blow for me somehow because it's not yeah not that so Vera asked about Moore's parents Moore explained that they were overjoyed by her prospects Moore said the rest of the story was awful and meant for another time she said she planned on going with them to the human realm once the human queens came but would sit it out this time around when Vera asked if Reese told Moore she couldn't go Moore said he wanted her to but she'd gotten him drunk and convinced him otherwise Vera told her she would like listen to the rest of the story one day and hoped Moore would meet her sisters at another time and tell them. Sarah also apologized for being so cold the first time that arrived the night before. Moore told her that she had good days, still has bad days too, but didn't let the bad days win. Great advice. Sarah, Reese, and the boys left. Sarah found herself staring at her home back at the human realm. That should be a bad name. Bat boys. <laughs> boys. I call them the bat boys. Okay. They arrive at the estate. Farrah thought it would be best if she go alone at first to speak to, with her sisters. When Farrah knocked, a housemaid answered. The woman panicked when she noticed Farrah was a bed. Farrah cursed herself for not thinking of that. She's like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. I forgot about my ears, ears and stuff, my pale skin, my perfection. Then Elaine came to the door. Noticing her sister standing there, she told the woman to go fetch them some tea and sobbed. Nessa stood inside, staring down on the scene, looking as if she saw a ghost. The sisters entered the house and sat down with their tea, entering into an awkward conversation. Farrah explained everything that had happened when she'd left the estate back into Prithian all those months ago. Then she told them about Highburn and the meeting between the queens and the high fae. Nesta believed it wouldn't work, not with everyone knowing they were fairy sympathizers. Elaine was supposed to get married five months to a lord's son, a lord who hated the fae. Elaine stops Nesta's argument against siding with the fae, saying that there wouldn't be a wedding if the meeting didn't take place. Her fiancé or his father couldn't protect her from Highburn. Elaine went on to send the servants away so they wouldn't bear witness to the upcoming events. While alone together, Farah asked Nesta if Elaine's fiancé was good. Nesta basically said, good enough. The Lord had built walls so high to protect against the faith, it looked like a prison. Nesta then asked why it didn't work with Tamlin. Farah explained what happened under the mountain broke him, and he wanted to protect her so much, he wanted to keep her locked up in a cage to do so. Nesta asked about the new court she was with. Farah said, would you like to meet them? like Vera and Nesta's need to protect Elaine I mean Nesta especially in this part she's around her yeah being like yeah he's good enough like I know that she'll be protected mm-hmm. but what and meanwhile Elaine's like yeah let's help out the fairies and everything yeah dang yeah I think Elaine's whole purpose in these books is that she although she is a very passive person she does kind of sway Nesta she's definitely the in-between between the two yeah. sisters oh. and she kind is like well no when she has her head on right it well this makes sense nesty you need to listen to what she's saying instead of just being angry all the time and trying to protect me i always say i don't want an elaine perspective but like it is kind of interesting when you think about it because she's i mean like she's a very passive person don't get me wrong i don't particularly like her as a character but with in between, she's got to be there. She's a necessity because if Farah and Nesta have conversations, Elaine has to be there to kind of edge them in the right direction. The, the ship I have for her, I'm 
like it shows how and there's a reason it shows how much you hate her but besides that no I think like okay I want dark Elaine hands down dark Elaine is what I want and then I want the other person to still be how he is as we see him in like the dynamic something I don't know. Okay. No, I'll wait. I'll wait until we're alone because I have remember, so remember, many remember, questions remember. So many about questions. my thoughts or about uh, about A, who it is that you're talking about. You don't know. I think I do, but I'm not for sure. How another character is going to react at Perry. But they're but they're kind of knit together. But he, yeah. Well, I was about to say before I start reading, I, uh, the first point of the chapter I read is Elaine convincing the whole staff to leave. But I thought that was uh, in the last chapter. She went to go do it. <sighs> now she's done it. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only difference between the two. Okay, <laughs> went to go do it while they were they talking. Had to make her leave uh, so that they could have this scene. But by this time, she had done it. All right, okay. Just some clarification there. there. Uh, Okay, chapter 24. Elaine had convinced the whole staff at this point to leave and made the housekeeper who had seen Farah keep silent. Farah then left the bat voice in. What bat voice? Her battle cry. What that was a bat mate? Not that. That's a raven. (laughs) I know! (laughs) Insert bat noise clip here. Her echo location. I think they screech. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) Bat boys roar. Like Reba did earlier. Anyway, Reba, go on. <laughs> Reese was shocked at how fast the staff had left. Farah told him that her sister had a talent for getting what she wanted with a few smiles. And then Farah introduced her sisters to the Bat Boys. <laughs> Here it comes. Reese ups the charm factor a lot, but looks strained in doing so. Mm-hmm. Elaine tries to be polite while Nesta told them that the dinner was getting cold and turned and walked away. Elaine followed. They all looked at each other before following after. Like, they have no idea what to do. Uh, okay. So, they're at the dinner and Farah's trying to stomach the human food. Gross. Nesta asked her if she was too good for normal food now. And Farah told her she could do everything she used to, just better now. There is some- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cassian choked on his water, if that wasn't made it obvious right there. <laughs> and Azriel was angling himself to get between the two of them if needed. <laughs> God, Azriel. He is like always like on point. He's like, uh, yeah, I need to be in between them just in case. Like Nesta laughed, but Farah could feel her anger rising. Farah then felt a tug on the bond, which calmed her down. She checked her mental shields, but they were already up. Reese told Nesta that if she were to come to Brithian, she would understand why the food here seemed lackluster to them. It's because of the lack of diversity. If Okay, so I, I think I've discussed this before earlier, but maybe not. So, if, if, if Farrah's world is the white people like we discussed in the first episode, then of course the food's not going to be as good because there's no freaking spices. They don't know how to season Prithian seems, or Valeris seems like it's got more ethnic diversity in it. So, of course, the food would be better. Nesta insisted. She didn't even plan on going to Prithian, so she could take his word for it. She turned to Cassian and asked, what are you looking at? And I got the quote right here. Cassian says, someone who let her youngest sister risk her life every day in the woods while she did nothing. Someone who let a 14-year-old child go 
out into their forest so close to the wall. My face began heating, Sarah, and I opened my mouth to say, to say what? I didn't know. Your sister died, died to save my people. She is willing to do so again to protect you from that, from war. So don't expect me to sit here with my mouth shut while you sneer at her for a choice she did not get to make and insult my people in the process. I was like, hell yeah, when I read that part. Come on, Cassian. <laughs> Shoot it back at her. I, yeah, he is a good guy. I know he's like more general, but he's also tall, but then like someone stepping up. That's that too. Mm-hmm. Love it. Moment, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> he's not putting up with her Nesta studied him for a moment and then turned to Feyre. Elaine told them this was all hard to accept. She went on to explain how they'd grown up terrified of the Fae and how, oh, I was like, who? And how Claire was taken from their village. Okay, so if you don't remember, because Reba, (laughs) Claire is the one that got murdered by Amarantha. But if you remember from that first book, they just said that she was missing. They didn't know what happened. Farah hasn't been back to tell them what happened. So how do they know that fairies took, took her? How did that get out? Like, I find that such a big plot hole. No, I think, well, I mean, like, because it's never mentioned, like, maybe Farah told them, but I don't even see her doing that. She's just like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Like, yeah, because, I mean, whenever Nesta that she was going, I think it was assumed for Tamlin. Yeah. Yeah. It was for Farah. Farah. Yeah, because Claire had died, so she she was like, oh, I've done this terrible thing. I need to go. And she didn't know Yeah, well, she knew that Claire was, yeah, but she didn't tell anybody. It's not said that she took anybody, and I don't know how they would know unless Farrah told them. <laughs> During the party, it was like, oh, well, she, she's missing. They couldn't find her body. Like, they didn't say, oh, well, she must have been taken by Faith. I thought there was an explanation, but I'd have to get the book out to actually prove it. <laughs> Asriel told Elaine that he understood her side of things. Elaine told them that Nesta wasn't the only one to blame for Feyre hunting in the woods. They were terrified and had no clue how to take care of themselves. Both of them had failed Feyre. Come on. She's like, I'm not flowers I mean, I basically, she applied it. <laughs> she knows. Yeah. I think she knows. She's not as realist as she acts. Yeah. Would be nice to kind of calculate it, or is she just like, <laughs> like she thinks about it, but she just doesn't she feel bad? I, I think she must just have low self-esteem or something. She doesn't think she has the power to do anything. Fair asked Nesta if they could just start over, and Nesta said, fine. <laughs> Elaine asked Asriel if they could fly, and he ex- proceeds to explain their flying to her. <laughs> so excited. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's like, well, you see. Well, you see, I have bat wings. <laughs> and like, we- I've never heard Asriel talk this way. <laughs> Yeah. With no booze in him. You just have to ask questions like, how do you bat boys around? I get around all right. The bat boy. Okay, the next two points say they wondered, is this supposed to be Nesta and Elaine who wonder? It says they wondered about Illyrians yeah. and High Fae. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. I mean, yes, she does. That's why I was like, who, who's they? <laughs> all right, so they, as in Nesta and Elaine, wondered about Illyrians and High Fae, and then they proceeded to ask Farrah what she is now. Yeah. Reese told them Farrah was whatever she wished to be. Nessa told them to go ahead and write the letter to the queens. If things went sideways, they better be prepared to fix it. 
The gang here decided that it would probably be best to stay the night. Reese asked for two bedrooms next to each other with two beds each, and Fayra questioned this. Reese told her that they were not taking any risk with the shields in the human realm, especially not with Elaine's fiancé giving her an iron engagement ring. Fayra and Reese shared a room, and she was about to tell him she was not sharing a bed with him when he created a small one out of thin air by the door. Love him. He's like, don't worry, I already know. I know your game now. He's kind of through messing with her at this point. He then proceeded to tell her that Nesta was a delight. Farrah said Nesta was her own creature. Reese mentioned how he hadn't seen Cassian worked up in such a long time. Too bad Cassian and Nesta seemed to want to kill each other. Yeah. Then he went on to talk about Elaine and her fiancé. Farrah told him that he shouldn't mock her sisters when his inner circle were as melodramatic. Like, have you seen everything there? Yeah, yeah. have you figured that out? There's a love something. Not a love either. He decided not to comment and talked about Moore and Azriel making eyes at each other and using Cassian as a buffer. He told her she might want to keep... No, wait. They talked about you after I read that. I was like, no, she said that. He So he decided not to make a comment about her saying that his inner circle is melodramatic. And she proceeded to talk about how Moore and Azriel were making eyes at each other and then using Cassian as a buffer. And Reese decided to tell her she might want to keep those observations to herself. Oh, no. Yeah. She said she wasn't a gossip and her life was miserable on its own to bother with drama. Hey, man. <laughs> BS. Uh, She's all up in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you... Were you under the mountain? I didn't see you. <laughs> Wait, what about that? What's your, pa- what's your tragedy? Like? Basically... <laughs> trauma. This, there is all this is basically her first impression every time she meets someone new. What's your tragic background? <laughs> Uh-huh. right now, and I'll come back for more. I didn't see you under the mountain. What's your tragic background? Uh, I see you, Okay, he asked her if her life is truly miserable now. She said she didn't know. Sure you don't, okay? He snapped his fingers, making her clothes appear. He said he didn't know which lacy garment he would rather see her in, so he brought a few options. <laughs> she called him a pig and went to get ready for bed. <laughs> when she came back... Found her bed warm. Okay, I was like, this. When she came back, she found her bed warm and Reese laying on his own bed. She told him thank you for warming it. He only said Amarantha had never thanked him. Farah and, <laughs> and such a weird... Warming her bed! Yeah. You never thanked me for warming her bed. Thanks, <laughs> And Farah told him Am- Amarantha didn't suffer enough. He brought up how he didn't know if he could sit through dinner tonight. It hit him then how young she was when they threw her in the forest to hunt. So much de- depended on her then. Farah reminded him that if her story didn't go that way then Amarantha would have won and they'd be stuck under the mountain and under Amarantha's reign like they were before. He randomly asked when her birthday was and she told him that it was on the winter solstice. He mentioned how he didn't see her celebrating it and she said that she didn't want to tell anyone. Reese tells her that he wishes they could stay longer to see who would win, Nesta or Cassian. And Cassian. And both of them bet on Nesta. All right, let's talk about this. So, Tamlin Tampon did not, <laughs> did not ask about her birthday. At all. You know who does ask about her birthday? My Reese! He's like, well, when is your birthday? Like, the winter solstice. He's like, you didn't celebrate on your birthday? He's like, I didn't tell anyone. My party, and I'll cry if I want to. <laughs> although, honestly, her... Actually, her. Yeah, also, <laughs> although, her 21st birthday sucked. <laughs> so I had to read about it, and it sucked. Party! Boston Starlight, do not read. I didn't, and I love this series. <laughs> 
we'll see if I make it past the third book. <laughs> don't read it. Even if you like it, don't read it. Chapter 25. So they're still in the human realm. Thera and Reese went out to train. While at it, they flirted a little. Oh. Reese told, Thera told Reese he might need to leave. Reese said, why? You so insistent that I train you. But Thera couldn't concentrate on training with him there. Just looking at him dressed in leather. Mm. I really think Illyrian leathers look. Is it just leather pants? Gotta show off that ass. (laughs) That ass. He complied, telling her to shout down the bond if she accomplished anything while training alone. She asked if she was just supposed to shout at the tattoo. Hey, I'm tired! I'm tired! I'm tired! Take me home! Take me home! He told her to rub it on certain body parts. It would arrive quicker. (laughs) I know, it's like, Reese! Calm down. He vanished before she could throw something at him. Later, Reese sent a note asking if he was finished yet. Through boards sitting back at the house with the other bat boys. They continued writing their notes. They I didn't realize someone was behind her. A hand covered her mouth. Thrash, she thrashed as arms circled around her, lifting her off the ground. Stop or I'll snap your neck. Thayer recognized the voice, the Ator. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. What do y'all think the Ator wants? You think he's going to be nice? No. <laughs> I don't know what he wants. I don't remember, but... Paris stopped finding the Ator. She looked some for something to use as... Looked for something to use as a weapon. Resand appeared, separating them and attacking the Ator. He asked the Ator why he'd come for Feyre. The Ator explained the King Hybern wanted Feyre and the armies were coming. Reese asked how large the armies were. I didn't know what the Ator was. I didn't know whether to gender him or not. (laughs) Asriel showed up and the Ator started trembling at the Shadow Singer. Reese told the Ator if he tried to take Feyre, Reese would heal first and ask questions later. Reese swooped Feyre away, leaving Asriel and Cassian to deal with the Ator. He explained they would send the Ator as messenger back to Highburn. Then, Feyre realized that Reese left her out there training alone as bait. Dude, he assured Farah she was safe the whole time. Reese told her he was waiting to see who was planning to snatch her up. I didn't know where to start. So Tamlin was right about my safety to some degree. It didn't excuse anything. So you never planned to stay with me while I trained. Used me as bait? Yes, and I'd do it again. You were safe the entire time. You should have told me. Maybe next time. There will be no next time. I slammed a hand into his chest and he staggered back a step from the strength of the blow. I blinked. I'd forgotten. Forgotten the strength in my panic. Just like with the weaver. I'd forgotten how strong I was. Okay. Fair thought about the fact she froze. Reese snarled while saying, Yes, you did. He pissed her off, antagonizing her further, until she tried to attack him. He winnowed away again and again every time she got closer. Finally, Farrah winnowed too, tackling him to the set. I love Reese. He's horrible. (laughs) He's terrible, but I love him. He knows what she's capable of. Like, he just pushing her just enough. It makes sense. Tamlin didn't let her do anything. Reese is making her do everything. 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 Not telling her what's going on. 
and wrote chapter 27 and quoted from the book. I panted, sprawled on top of Reese in the snow while he laughed hoarsely. Don't, I snarled into his face. Ever, I pushed his rock-hard shoulders, <laughs> talons curving at my fingertips. Use me as bait again. He stopped laughing. I pushed harder, those nails digging in through his leather. You said I could be a weapon. Teach me to become one. Don't use me like a pawn. And if being one is part of my work for you, then I'm done. Done. Reese cocked his head, loosening a chunk of snow clinging to his hair. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> that Larry and Leather's a little bit tired. <laughs> a little tired. <laughs> Reese asked her to show him again. She tells him no. Farrah wanted to go back to the chateau for the day. Reese said he was sorry for putting her through the Ator's attack today and held out his hand. Farrah asked why Hyburn wanted her. Reese went dead still and said he planned to find out. He said, I'm sorry, again, still with his hand outstretched. He continued, let's eat breakfast, then go home. Farrah told him that Valeris was not her home. She noticed the hurt that crossed Reese's face. This is the part where I started crying. I just remembered. I think I was in my book. She was like, Laris is in my home. And Reese was like, and I was like, my gosh, baby. I mean, I've kind of been to this girl. And I mean, other stuff. He did use her as bait. Like, he got two seconds. So sad. But where is hurt? When they come from some people, they really hurt. More than being used as bait. But, like, Valeris is such an important part of him. I I mean, I get it. And he's like, Thayer is becoming so important to him. Mm -hmm. And not going going together, it just really breaks his heart. And I'm like, man, shouldn't have done all this. Yeah, we should resign. I know why. We love Reese. Chapter 28. They ate breakfast and went to mail the letter with the sisters. Then they head back to Valeris. Reese told Thera that they had broken the atcher and asked if she wanted to see if she could handle it. Told him she wanted to know everything, and by golly, he let her see it. He showed her their interrogation through his mind. So, in the interrogation, Azriel was questioning slash torturing the Ator. Reese revealed a small enemy force had infiltrated the north to get her. The Ator said the king of Highburn informed him where they were. How he got the information the Ator didn't know. The Ator told Reese, Good luck trying to keep her, High Lord. Asriel asked why. The Ator said it was common knowledge Reese had stolen ho- stolen her from Tamlin. Reese already knew this from Asriel, that it was common knowledge. The Spring Court had closed down its borders and it was impossible to fly over at night. Reese told Asriel to break the Ator's legs and shred its wings. Reese turned and left. Feyre inquired about the situation at the spring court. Reese told her it was nothing right now, but she knew that Tamlin would do anything to protect what he thinks belongs to him. Feyre thought back to the day that he had lost his temper in the study. Reese said he should have sent more on that day. He told her that he was sorry for deceiving her. At that moment, Reese wanted, Feyre wanted to write a letter. Her letter to Tamlin was simple. I left on my own free will. I am cared for and safe. I am grateful for all that you did for me, all that you gave. Please don't come looking for me. I am not coming back. Reese asked if she was sure. She reminded him, I am no one's pet, then asked what they were doing now. He advised her to rest. Ferris said not to coddle her and asked about the Book of Breathings. He explained Azrael would sneak into the Human Queen's area and the rest of them would go to the Summer Court in a few days. Ferris didn't like spending the night sitting around waiting and sleeping, so she asked if she could go or if Reese could show her Valeris that night. Reese smiled genuinely. Dinner first, and then they would head out. 
Before dinner, Amran busted in in Favor's room, scaring off the handmaidens. She commented that wraiths are such skittish things. Feyre thought that they were high fae. Amran said they were only half. Wraiths were just darkness and smoke, and she didn't even want to know how they were conceived. Feyre said she told Feyre they were probably telling Asriel now that she was in there. Feyre said she thought they answered to Reese. They answered to both, but Asriel had trained them. Feyre asked if they were spying on her, but Amran insisted they weren't. Asriel had never fully trusted Amran which I found interesting. Despite Reese telling him not to spy on her, he did anyway. They were asked why he wasn't punished. From the book, Amron said, The Court of Dreams is founded on three things, to defend, to honor, and to cherish. Were you expecting brute strength and obedience? Many of Reese Sam's top officials had little to no power. He values loyalty, cunning, compassion, and Azrael, despite his disobedience, is acting to defend his court, his people. So no, reason does not punish that. There are rules, but they are flexible. What about the tithe? What tithe? The tithe taxes whatever, twice a year. So Thera is asking about the tithe in the night court, and Amran told her that there was no tithe here. The High Lord of Thera handed Amran back her amulet from the visit to the prison, saying, Thank you. Amran told her to keep it. There was no magic in it. Thera mentioned that Reese kept looking at it. Amran explained he was just worried about why Amran was giving it to her. It was a present from him 200 years prior. Thera gritted her teeth. Amran said, You're welcome, and left. So the amulet didn't mean anything. No. And you know what that reminded me, reminded me of? Reminded me of Harry Potter. What is it? The investing I think the luck of the Felix Delicious. Uh, yeah. I can't remember its full name at this point. How Ron thought he had it. Was that it? Oh, yeah. It was that because Harry, so Harry won that uh-huh. in Potions class. And when they had their first Quidditch match where Ron was actually on the team, yeah. Harry pretended to put it in his cup and all of them thought that he actually put it in there. And then Harry told Hermione after the game started that he yeah, really did. Ron had all this confidence because <laughs> he was like, I'm super lucky today. <laughs> Chapter 29. Everyone went out to dinner. Party! Not just Farah and Reese. Am I, am I, am I more? Or am I just a friend? No, that's more. <laughs> oh, that's more. <laughs> okay, got it. The chef came asking about how everyone enjoyed it. She then came back with a goblet of what we think is blood for Amarin. Don't know what else. Well, we kind of spoiled it that she drinks blood. <laughs> I thought it was mentioned by this point. I don't think so. I think I spoiled it earlier. I was like, well, what does Amarin eat or drink or whatever? And they're like, well, Amarin's not like us. Yeah, like it's kind of hinted at, but they never actually they say it. I mean, if you want to do the one too, you're like, oh, she's a vampire. And then it's like, oh, okay. Asriel, Moore, and Cassian discuss going dancing. I don't know. Want to see. Amran just go to get more blood to take home. Farah asked Reese if he was going to dance too. Reese said he was thinking of walking home since it had been a long day. Reese and Farah walked together to the townhouse. While walking,
fucking Reese <laughs> showed her his favorite part of the city, the Rainbow of Valeris, which displayed the most perfect view of the city. Farrah brought up his relationship with Emrin, commenting on how he bought her jewels. A little jelly there. Reese laughed, explaining, When I was young and stupid, I once invited her to my bed. She laughed herself hoarse. The jewelry is just because I enjoyed buying it for a friend who works hard for and has my back when I need it. Staying in her good graces is an added bonus. She then asked why Reese has never married. He explained the target on his back. Any wife and children he would have would suffer because of it. She asked why he keeps the city a secret. Oh, you said we've already been over this. I yeah, I think we have been all over this. But <laughs> the paragraph. I was finding it and being like, wait, what? Okay, so talking about keeping Belarus a secret and everything, we know this. But along the way... Despite his best intentions, darkness grew again. Not as bad as it had once been, but bad enough that there is permanent division within my court. We allowed the world to see the other half, to fear them, so that they might never guess that this place thrives here. And we allow the court of nightmares to continue, blind to Valeris's existence, because we know that without them, there are some courts and kingdoms that might strike us and invade our borders to discover the many, many secrets we've kept from the other high lords and courts these millennia. So having the Horde of Nightmares versus Valeris and letting the public and all the other kingdoms just know about the bad stuff so that they don't even think to look for the good safe haven. Yeah. Is the, why I thought. The Court of Nightmares is very hedonistic. Yeah. Like area and they do whatever they want. Think of how Reese was in the first book, like how he portrays himself. That's kind of how you expect the people of the Court of Nightmares yeah. to act. And it's a very conscious vision. Like of Reese, of course, who acts this way in order to keep this part of him and Valeris a secret. But also, like, Valeris has been around for a while, so there have been other people knowing and other High Lords knowing that have done the same thing. And I was- As Farrah grew tired and considered asking Reese to fly them home, they heard music playing. Re- Farrah realized Reese had been the one who sent her the music under the mountain. When she asked why, Reese responded, because you were breaking and I couldn't find another way to save you. Oh my gosh, it broke me too. She told him she saw the night court too. But Reese did not send her the image of the night court. She thanked him for everything he has done for her. Reese asked if she appreciated everything he'd done, including his stunt with the weaver, and today she has ruined everything. <laughs> kind of this nice moment. I know. Like, what, what about that one time I really messed things up? Reese, She's like, Reese does that. Seriously? <laughs> Later that night, they send flirty notes to each other. Reese asked her to come lick his wounds, and she tells him she hoped he was better than she was better than him under the mountain. <laughs> Whenever he licked her face, yeah, licked her like, tears, I yeah. I'm better than you when it comes to licking. Cause oh. And Reese wrote back saying he was under duress at the time. <laughs> he kept flirting until Farrah got annoyed and threw the paper in the fire. She swore she heard laughter roaring through the house. She fell asleep and had nightmares about the Ator, but in her dreams, she fought back. Chapter 30. Cassie and Pharaoh were training with Reese and Asriel off in the distance. Cassie and pestered her asking if she was ever planning on talking about the 
letter she wrote to Tamlin about staying in the night court for good. She asked when he was going to talk about his feelings for more. Oh, bye. They're like brother-sister dynamic is coming through. He told her to get in the ring. They would solve this with fists. <laughs> like I said. They apologized to each other and Cassian explained that Azriel told him about the letter. Feyre stated her head considering the words left for good and what that meant for her now. She lied to Cassian after his apology saying the famous words I'm fine. Who, whoever if someone else wants to read that part. Okay so after she said I'm fine it says in the book I had done everything everything for that love. I had ripped myself to shreds. I had killed innocent and debased myself and he had sat beside Amarantha on the front of the yelling bitch. Can't stand him. And he couldn't do anything. Cat and risk it. Cat and risk being caught until he was until there was one night left and all he wanted to do wasn't free me but me and again and again and again one two one two one two and when Amarantha had broken me when she had snapped my bones and made my blood boil in my veins he just knelt and begged her. He hadn't tried to kill her hadn't crawled for me. Yes he fought for me but I fought harder for him. Again and again and again each pound of my fist on the sparring pads a question and answer and he had the nerve once his powers were back to shove me into a cage the nerve to say I was no longer useful I was being cloistered for his peace of mind, he'd given me everything I needed to become myself, to feel safe. And when he got what he wanted, when he got his power back, his lands back, he stopped crying. He was still good, still Tamlin, but he was just wrong. I forgot I marked that part. Damn. You know what's funny? I just glanced over it, and that was the part I was like, okay, start reading there. And I was like, I mean, we both the like, that's why. That's, yeah. That, but, like, exemplifies everything right yeah. now. She's realizing how much of a person Tamlin is. Not that he's not a good person necessarily, but he's not a good partner. And how oh, wow. all the crap he did to her. I love how she's beating stuff right now. Yeah, let's, let's I didn't realize how close we were to being done. But anyway. Yeah. They kept training for a bit. Then Feyre said quietly, I killed them. Cassian uttered, I know. Feyre said it should have been her. Reese immediately swooped over and surrounded them with his darkness. He held her chin up to look at him. He told her he felt that way every day since his mother and sister were slaughtered. She could let it break her or she could learn to live with it. She said she was sorry about his family and he told her he was sorry he couldn't save her from dying or wanting to die under the mountain. He explained how he had two nightmares. Either he or his friends were Amaranthus whore or he heard Feyre's neck snapping and the light drained from her eyes and seeing the light drain from her eyes. In the midst of her moderate breakdown, they discovered Feyre's ability from the Autumn Court. Then Reese convinced her to try to use dark powers. She tried to summon the darkness, finding too many possibilities. She thought of her letter to Tamlin. She thought of the dark prison cell with the bone carver. All of it, negative darkness. Reese told her to open her eyes. He conjur- he'd conjured his own darkness, except with light. Stars danced around her. The setting soothed her. Wait, it quickly what? <laughs> it quickly vanished, and there, uh, okay, no, that sentence, okay, what? <laughs> I can tell. He quickly vanished, leaving behind a still shirtless Reese. He told her they'd work on the whole darkness conjuring thing and she needed to take a bath. She flipped him off and asked Cassian to fly her home instead. 
I love that chapter. I, it just came to me, but I love it. Her and Cassian's dynamic. Her realizing Tamlin's a piece of shit. Her, like, like I killed them. And Cassian, like, yeah, I know. And then Reese being like, oh, Cassian, it's okay. I'll comfort her. And then the whole, like, darkness thing. Like, Reese telling her, oh, come up with the darkness. And her focusing on the dark so much. Because, like, Night Court, ooh, dark, fruity, blah, blah, blah. Really, like, like. Yeah. Like, that's what he focused on whenever he conjures up dark power. And I just love that. Last one. All you. I'm guessing it's because only yep. me. After a 31. <laughs> Cassian and Feyre continued to train. Those two, Reese and Amran, all discussed their trip summer court. Cassian wanted to go, but he was banned for life for unknown reasons. <laughs> so Reese told him no. Cassian voiced worry about Feyre, about taking Feyre to another court. And then Reese and Feyre flirted before winnowing away. <laughs> End scene. Yeah, they're going to the summer court. Uh, looking for that half of the book of breathing space. We get to meet a new high lord. Yes, we get to meet a new high lord. I love meeting all the different high lords. Sarah's coming to terms with life as she knows it now. And how much of a partner she was with. Because that's a big, that's a big step. That's how you know you're treating under yeah. the breakup is when you realize what a person they are. Yeah, because it don't happen in, in, in at the end. It happens after the fact. And yeah. you're like, oh. It's like, I hate them. Like, yeah. And also just dealing with like her own internal issues that don't have as much to do with like her love life, even though that still kind of comes into play. There might be some jealousy coming up. Yeah. Love life. That's my Fun. Yeah. Any, anything else to add? No, mm-hmm. I not. Okay. There's too much going on. Already. There's too much going on. And okay. apparently, we're all looking forward to cookies. So we are. We're gonna make some chocolate chip cookies, and I'm gonna eat them and offer them to other people. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I guess we'll see you next time. Um, thanks for listening. Remember us to follow us on Instagram at Let's Call Nothing Pod, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to the list. Shut up. <laughs> it's my time. I can do this by myself. Thank you.